And now, a word from our sponsors. The Jabari Show is brought to you by no one, not a damn person. We have no sponsors. So if you want to sponsor The Jabari Show, send us an email at info at colorsworldwide.com. We'd love for you to be a sponsor. Mmm, okay. Benoni Tego, my guy. Um, man, just a, a all-around entrepreneur, businessman, done so many different things, man. Um, when you are introducing yourself now, how do you like to how do you like to be introduced? How do you introduce yourself to people? You know, I actually introduce myself as like I own a record label. Okay. But to But be, you don't even like calling it a record label. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You beat me to it. I was just okay. about to get to it. I don't, I don't ever like calling it a record, calling radio a record labels like a bad term, like yeah. a bad word for us because we're like, we want to be everything. We want to be a complete audio content company. Yep. But when I don't feel like getting into it, I'm just like, oh yeah, you know, I run a record label. Yep. And I just keep it like that just to keep it pushing. So similar over here, man, I do the same thing. So like, you know, sometimes I, if, so if people ask what I do, I'll just be like, yeah, I run an entertainment company. And then they're like, oh, what kind of, what, what, what do you do? And yeah. then I'll be like, oh, it's like cringe because I don't want to say we are a live events company, especially now because now we are not just a live events company, but it's mm -hmm. easier to tell a stranger, yeah, we produce live events. 100%. But I don't know, like, should we both think of ways to shorten what we do in an elevator pitch format, but still being authentic to what it is that we're building? You could do that. I'm good. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Like, for me, half the time, I don't even want... The reason why I say, like, oh, I run a record label yeah. is because I don't really want to be having that conversation to begin with. <laughs> what do you mean? Because, like, I'm always thinking about it. Like, mm -hmm. I wake up thinking about it. I go to sleep thinking I see. about it. Okay. So, like, I kind of don't want to be talking about what I do, especially in certain environments and certain settings. Got it. And I understand that, like, people want to have an identity or like something to peg you as. Yeah. So I get that. So I try to give them a little bit of something. Yeah. But honestly, it's like, you know, th that's like, I'm not one of those people that likes to have like what I do be my identity. Yes. Because like throughout my life and my career, I've like shapeshifted so many different times yep, yep. to where it's like, this is what I'm doing right now. I'm not going to be doing it forever. Yep. And pretty soon there'll be something else that I'm doing. So I kind of just try to give you a quick look. Hey, look, I run a record label. Yeah. You know, we do stuff in podcasting. We do stuff in music supervision. We have a label. We have a publishing company. Yep. Um, you know, we do live events. So we do all of these things. Yep. Um, but, you know, again, depending on the conversation or, like, what the environment is, I'll get more in-depth about it. Let me ask you. Okay, so, and, and we're jumping right in. This is how I like to do. But, like, did you learn to not associate your identity with your career and your title? Or was that something that, you know, when you first came in the game, were you, were you just one? Like, was your identity wrapped up in what you did? Um, that's a good question. I mean, it kind of happened like at the, well, it kind of happened because of who I am naturally. Okay. Like, I just kind of always been like low key and I kind of just don't like talking about myself. Yeah. And so naturally it's like, I don't want to ever, like people tell me all the time, like, oh, you downplay things. And I'm not intentionally downplaying anything. Yeah. I just generally don't want to talk about it. Yeah, so yeah. like, I, I try to get to the quickest way of saying, this is what I do, let's move on, let's talk about something else. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so it was always something, like when I started off, like my first like major job that was attached to my identity was, I used to work for the Jonas Brothers. Yep. And when I worked for them, 
that was like a huge part of my identity because everybody's like, oh, that's Benoni. He works for the Jonas Brothers. Yes. And when that time was over and the money ran out yep. and the phone calls stopped and I was no longer associated with the Jonas Brothers, yep. then I was quote unquote nothing. Mm. And so when I got to that point in my life, that really made me be like, you know what? I never want to like place my hat on what I do because I know how quickly that could all go away. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I think that's a very important thing for young people to realize, man, as they're coming up is just, you know, yeah, you're so much more than your position. Let's talk about this Jonas Brothers thing in the beginning, right? So um, you grew up in Vegas, mm -hmm. from Vegas. Parents uh, immigrated, right? My dad, yeah. Your dad. Okay, so where'd your dad come from? My dad's from Ghana. Okay. My mom's from Louisiana. Okay. Um, so I grew up, for most part of my life, like in San Bernardino, yeah. which is like just, you know, outside of LA, yep, the yep, Inland yep. Empire. Um, and then we moved to Vegas yep. because they were like, oh, it's cheaper in Vegas and, you know, we can get good jobs and they pay well. Yep. So we moved to Vegas. So I finished like junior high through high school and some college in Vegas. And then I moved to LA. And you... Always had told me this story about like going to the music school you went to, right? Yeah. In LA. So like, hey, what made you want to get into entertainment, music industry? Because you've been in the music industry, but you've also very much been in just the entertainment industry. Yeah. So like, what made you want to get into that space? Being from a place like or or growing up a lot in a place like Vegas, yeah. and even being from San Bernardino, right? Like, it's not it's close to LA, but way different. Very different. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Sonia from. The IE as well over there. <laughs> nice. I knew it. She had a, the hustler spirit. <laughs> um, well, I mean, just to backtrack, like, I've always just been a person that's just naturally curious. Yeah. And so, like, one, when I was 18, I used to do real estate. So I used to work for Century 21. Yep. And Which is pretty young to work for Century 21, right? 100%. Yeah. But, like, as soon as I got a chance, because I was going to UNLV. Okay. And, well, even before that, just let me backtrack. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. So my nephew was a rapper and he was like, yo, you should manage me. I had no idea what management was, but I was like, I could help you because I was just always trying to figure things out and just always dream chasing and hustling. Yep, right? yep. And so I helped him, you know, put together his MySpace page and like we had the best MySpace pages in Vegas because I found a guy that you pay him $300 and he can give you the best 3D graphics on <laughs> yeah, MySpace. Yeah, yeah. Like when you go to my MySpace page, we had a building that would rise up. It'll be like in the hood. <laughs> and so it'll be all these like buildings that are all messed up. And then there'll be this one building that would rise up and the building like had like a little sparkle to so it. So this is graphics on the MySpace page. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> like my page took forever to load yeah. because it was so much <laughs> yeah. graphics. Yeah. But like I was always like, one, I was always into design, yep, but then I was yep. always just into like doing extra and doing what other people weren't. Mm -hmm. So started managing him. And then um, in 11th grade, I went to a, a school that was basically, it was called Community College High School. So I was taking high school classes, but I was at the community college. So it was like a special program. And my high school was paying for my, for my college courses. And so I took this business one-on-one -on -one class and the teacher comes up to me at the end of the, or the teacher says like first day of school, he's like, Hey, you guys need to get in groups with other people in the class. Yeah. And you guys need to build a business um, from today all the way through the semester. You need to put together a business plan, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm a high school kid, you know, I'm like yeah, 15, yeah. 16 and I'm in class with all these grown college students. And so I didn't go to anybody because I was just a little bit nervous, a little shy to do it. Uh -huh. 
I'm walking out the door and this kid comes up to me or this grown ass man comes up to me and he goes, yo, like, do you have a group? I'm like, no. He's like, okay, you could be in our group. I'm like, okay, what kind of business are you guys doing? He said, we're doing a record label. And I said, oh, that sounds interesting. Meanwhile, my nephew is rapping. So I'm like kind of managing him. And so I was like, okay, I'll be a part of the record label. So I'm helping them with this record label. But like I'm giving them ideas, I'm telling them like, oh, we should be thinking about this, we should be thinking about that. And they would never listen to me. Right. Mm. And so I kind of got tired of that. And after a while, you know, when the class is over, that was kind of it. But it was like a bug that was in me of like, oh, I could do this music thing. Yeah. I could do this yeah. entertainment thing. And like all the people that I looked up to were on TV, right? Like Jay-Z, Diddy, et cetera. So I'm like, Dame Dash. I'm yep. like, oh, I could be like them. You know, I just gotta find my way. And so, make a long story short, I um, found a music school out here because I was going, I was taking music classes, music business classes in um, at the community college. Okay. And the teacher told us, like, after I took the two classes, he was like, "That's it for the state of Nevada. There's no more music business classes that you could take. So, if you want to take more classes, you got to go to California, Florida, yep. or Boston. Yep, yep. California is four hours away. So I packed up everything." I went to a school called Musicians Institute, and the rest was history. So you know, man, you you we are very much around the same age, um, known each other for a very long time, and so you know we grew up around the same time, same influences. Wanted to get in the game because we we're seeing people like Jay Puff, um, you know, uh, Dame, all of these guys build the things that you know the record labels and the and the, and the businesses behind the music that we love, right? Mm-hmm. You have those same influences, but then you go and work for the Jonas Brothers, yeah. pop, <laughs> you know, white boys, yeah, completely different than than the stuff that you're sort of like you know influenced by, yeah. How does that even happen? And then B, you know, like. What what did you learn from that experience from being with something, you know, being being with the hey, what were you doing? But but also just like, yeah, like what did you what were you able to grasp and take from like this other culture genre? Yeah, I mean, I tell people all the time, like I grew up hip hop and R and B, but like professionally I grew up very pop. Yeah. You know, um, but I was in this class and this was like the first time, like I always took school seriously. I was a straight A student, but I wasn't, I wasn't very, I wasn't intentional about it. I was just yeah. doing it. I was doing well at school because I could. Mm-hmm. But when I went to Musicians Institute, I was like sitting in front of the class, volunteering for extra things. Yeah. Like I was really like, oh, this is my space to thrive. I was yeah. reading the book. Like I had started reading music industry books way before I stepped foot in class. Mm. So by the time class started, the teacher would ask questions and nobody knew the answers to, and I'd be raising my hand every time because I had already been stu- studying yeah. and I was already well prepared. Which, by the way, you're paying for. I don't, I never understand like kids who are going to school, yeah. college. You're paying for this. It's one thing to slack off in high school. Yeah, this shit is free, public education. You know what I'm saying? But like when you're paying for it or you're paying for a course, I just recently saw a sidebar like many people that. Me and you always talk about courses that we're taking and stuff like this online. And like, I saw something that said like, it was a stat that it was like less than 20% of people that buy courses online right now actually finish them. I'm like, that is insane because you're paying for this. If if it's anything I'm paying for, I'm going to get the utmost value from it. So like, that's, you know, to your point of like being in school, listening to 
what was being said and and doing the extra work is just like yeah it's like it seems like a lot of people would pat you on the back for that but i'm like that's a no-brainer and that's what most of you students should be doing but yeah I don't get that. How do you pay for like, how do you say, I'm going to go take this course and then not take it? Insane. I got a class in two hours, literally, today. See? Yep. (laughs) So as soon as I get done with this, I'm rushing home to get on my computer to go take a class. That's going to be an hour that I don't feel like taking, by the way. (laughs) But you paid for it, so you got to do it. So I'm showing up on the Zoom. So back to to Jonas stuff. Yeah. So I had a teacher who, um, he was like, one day he was just like, you know, Jones Brothers are looking for um, interns, you know, who wants to be an intern for okay. them. And I didn't raise my hand because I didn't want the kids to know because I was kind of like one of the star students at the class. Yeah. So after the class, I went up to him and I was like, yo, I would love to like apply to be an intern. And he was like, okay, I'll put your name in, you know, just send me your resume. Yeah. But by the way, I had on the side been managing, he managed, this teacher managed a rock band. So on the side, I was managing their social media accounts for uh, free okay, because okay, he was okay. like, I need somebody to run their socials. So yeah. I'm over there tweeting for them. I'm yeah. Facebook posting for them. Uh, and so I already had an end with the teacher because I was doing extra work for him. Yeah. So he gets me the internship and um, I start working. And that's where I developed the kitchen strategy was what I call it. Okay. What's that? <laughs> so basically like. Something just clicked in me when I moved to L.A. and when I started this school. Something, everything that I had always aspired to be, it just, like, God just told me, okay, Benoni, these are the steps. It was clear as day. Mm. So, number one, I was the first one in the office every day. Yep. I was, before the executives, before the, I'm not talking, like, I'm not competing with the interns. Yeah, yeah, of course. (laughs) I'm competing with the executives, so to speak, right? So, I'm the first one in the office every day. I'm the last one to leave. Mm-hmm. And they had a policy like interns need to like restock the refrigerator and they need to like put stuff in the refrigerator. It needs to be like the bottles need to be turned a certain way. Like all the labels need to be facing forward. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what I used to do, <laughs> I used to get in. First of all, I used to make sure that everything was stocked. But then when people started filling in the office, yeah, yeah. I'd be in the kitchen just tightening, you know, Arranging the bottles, yeah, yeah, yeah. fake cleaning up, because <laughs> what I wanted to do is we had an intern office, but I needed you to see me. Yeah, I needed you to see me and I needed you to know that every time I see that kid, Benoni, he's working. Yep, yep. So every day I'm in their kitchen strategy, kitchen strategy, yeah, kitchen strategy. Yeah. And, um, and it <laughs> paid like off because one day I got a call into the office and one of the executives was like, hey, we want to um, start paying you. We're going to give you $10 an hour because you've been such a great intern. And they were like, but you can't tell anybody because we're not paying the other interns. We're uh, gonna start paying you. Yeah. <laughs> and here I am, broke, not making any money, calling home to Vegas, hey, can you send me gas money so I can even make it to school, yep. make it to this internship. And I took that $10 and ran with it. And um, make a long story short, you know, I was like, when my internship ended, they pulled me in, they said, hey, look, we don't have the budget to hire you. But, you know, we love your work and any recommendations we can make, we'll do that. So one day I just cleaned up my resume. I sent it to all the executives. And one executive was like, hey, we hate to see you go, but I just want to let you know I forwarded your resume to our network, to my network. And um, I ended up getting called by AEG and I got hired to run VIP concert packaging uh, for AEG. I did that for a couple months. And then one day I get a call and they're like, the Jonas Brothers need an assistant. They're about to go on a world tour. You know, the position pays $100,000 a year. I'm over here making (laughs) $35,000 a year. 
And I hit him with the, oh, let me think about it. But I thought about it for two seconds, and then I accepted the job. And, you know, to answer your question, what that was like, I mean, first of all, it was crazy because, one, it was like money that I had never seen before. Yeah. Money that I could never have fathomed. Yeah. You're getting paid $100,000 a year. And come to find out, I was actually getting paid less than what I should be getting paid as an assistant. Like, when I started talking to people, they were like, you're making what? You know, it was like, it was a whole thing. And I think it's because it's the type of, that is another level of assistant. 100%. You're not, uh, most assistants don't make that kind of money, I don't think. But, on who it is. but it depends on, yes, exactly, right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, that is a job that is like, it's a 24 7 type of job. 24 7. And you're traveling yep. 24 7. Like, oh, you're not working in an office. You don't have time to go home. Barely have time to eat right. <laughs> yeah. You, you're, you're, you're literally on all the time yeah. um, for, you know, a group that's generating probably hundreds of millions yeah. at, at, at that level. Hundred percent. They're you know selling out tours, and you yeah. know it was three of them. And you know when they get locked out of their apartment, they're calling you because you got the spare key. Yep. Yep. You know they need you to go pick up their car and do something. They're yeah, calling you. It's everything. It's a hundred percent everything. So yeah. anything that you do that you don't want to do on a day to day basis, and you could pay somebody for, yep. like that's what I did. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah. So what did you learn about having that kind of role, for oh. for you know, A-list level talent. I always tell people, and no disrespect to our troops, but I say it's like military training mm. to a degree because it's like you got to be ahead of them at all, every step of the way. That's why even to this day, it annoys me like when people aren't ahead of aren't ahead of me on my team. Yeah, you know? like, yeah. What I mean by being ahead, it's like okay, like we, when we were overseas, you know, like if we were in South America, we would travel. Every day we would travel to a different country. So like we would go do a show mm-hmm. and then after the show, we maybe go to the hotel, get a chance to take a shower. And then from that night after you get out the shower, you're rushing to get on the plane and you're flying overnight to the next country. And then you sleep on the plane. And then when you get to that next country, you might get to the next country at like four or 5 a.m. I got to make sure their bags are in their rooms. Yep. I got to make sure their bags are not lost the whole nine. I got to order them breakfast. I got to call to the kitchen and say, hey, you know, because we have press every morning. Yeah. So let's just say press is at eight, nine o'clock in the morning. So I would say, okay, it's five o'clock. Hey, I need their pre- I need their dinner. I need their breakfast at 8 a.m. And then at, you know, 8 a.m., I would go, I would meet the person that's delivering the food, knock on the door, here's your food, here's the rundown of what's going on today. And I had to do that for all three of them. (laughs) They had to eat, then they had to go into makeup, I had to make sure they got into makeup on time, because if they're late for anything, that was my fault. I have to do that. Mind you, if you pay attention to the times I'm talking about, we landed at 5, press is at 9, they get to go to sleep. They've been asleep on a plane, and they get to go to sleep for that three hours. I'm up the whole time. Yeah. I might get two hours of sleep because I got to be up before them. I got to take a shower. I got to get dressed. Yep. I got to eat to do all that. So, you know, and when you walk into a place, you know, you need to know where the bathrooms are. 
you need to know who your allies are. Like, oh, I need to call Jacob because Jacob knows this whole building. And if something random comes up, Jacob can tell me where to go. Yeah. Like, oh, they requested this type of food. Jacob knows where to get that food or that drink from. Yo. So like every step of the way, you got to be ahead of people. And so like even to this day, I had a dinner, dinner with an artist the other day. I'm there 20 minutes early. Yeah. Why am I there 20 minutes early? At my level as the head of the company, I'm there 20 minutes early because I need to go check in. Mm-hmm. I need to make sure that they have our names down for the reservation. Yep. I need to see where we're sitting. I need to make sure everything is set up. So by the time the artist walks in the door. Easy breezy. Easy breezy. Yep. You know? And so to this day, I'm always steps ahead and I'm always thinking things through. Even parking. Yeah. Oh, where am I supposed to park? You know, like those little details. Yeah. And I think that those little details is what separates a lot of people. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, it seems like, I mean, and we'll get to definitely where you're at currently, but it's like, you know, you went from being an assistant to being the president head of a label and there's still key things and like, um, you know, skills that you have from being an assistant that you can apply to being a president. Yeah. And sometimes it even sounds like even as the president, you have to think like an assistant Mm -hmm. and, you know, just talk, talk, talk a little bit more about Are there any other ways that you think that in running a company now you, cause, and I'll give an example for me, right? Like when I built colors and you know, I mean, I, I, I built a part of this thing on your couch. So, um, I feel like for the most part, not every single job, but I feel like I've done a lot of the jobs that I'm even that I'm hiring for that we currently have or, you know, even that we'll need in the future is like I kind of have done everything. So I know what excellence looks like or needs to be when somebody needs to do it. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, man. And, and, and And it's been really helpful when you are building something from the ground up or when you're building your own career from the bottom to the top, um, it's just really helpful in that like hiring process, man. So like, you know, what are the, what are the, you talked about some of the skills you applied, but like, what are some of the skills that you look for um, when, you know, filling out your roster of employees now at radio? I mean, one, you just gotta, you have to be like fans of the brand of what we're building and mm. you have to have respect yeah. for it. Because uh, you know, with radio we're very small and you're gonna have to you're gonna have to really roll your sleeves up. And yep. I tell people all the time from conversation number one, like if you're gonna come in here and at any point if you ever have the thought that's not my job, if you ever have if you ever think if you're the type of person that even has remotely ever said that, <laughs> you're probably not gonna make it. The same for you. Yeah, yeah, because it's like I find myself doing stuff that I'm like whoa, I can't believe I'm doing this, you know, but it's what, it's what needs to be done. So, you know, in hiring, it's like one, having respect and being a fan of the brand of what we're building. Um, Also, I need to know like who you are and what you're going to be bringing to the table outside of like what I'm giving you. Because every time I hire, I have a very specific thing that I need, a position that I need to fill. And I can give you the bullet points of the position, but once I give you the bullet points, then I need to tell I need you to be able to articulate and be able to show why you can accomplish those bullet points. But then also what else? What is it about Jabari? What is it about whomever else that is unique to you that is yep. gonna help us grow? Yep. Absolutely. Um, and then also, and this kind of goes in being fans, like 
I want to know that you did your research and you know what we're doing. And then, you know, what kind of questions do you have? So it's kind of like a feeling and a vibe. And to be quite honest, I haven't nailed hiring. Yep. Like people tell me I have a good good team now and it took a while to get there. And, yep. you know, there's people on my team and they'll be the first to tell you that it took a while to get to this point. It took a lot of conversations. Yeah. And, hey, why did you do that that way? Or, okay, let's pull each other to the side. You don't like that I did something. I don't like that you did something. Let's figure it out. You know, one of the star players on my team, it took a while for us to get on the same page and to make her a star player. Yeah. You know, so it's having the patience and, you know, not giving up on people and saying, OK, I know that what you can bring to the table is going to be valuable if we get there to a certain at a certain point. Yeah, man. It's a uh, hiring I've learned is the probably aside from like, you know making sales of your business right and like generating revenue is probably the most important thing um that a lot of founders and a lot of entrepreneurs uh, skip over and they you know and they forget about the importance of it um but ultimately you know i was just talking about doing a lot of the things yourself in the beginning but at, at the end of the day you know as everybody knows you cannot build something you have to buy yourself you have to replicate yourself and you have to find people that have the strong suits that you don't have um to build anything great yeah uh you know so so uh, let, let's let's well even to that point yeah, yeah. of like having to like know all the parts of your business mm -hmm. like there's no part of radio that i don't know how to do right? yeah like we are players in the music supervision space we do p valley we do uh, Godfather of Harlem. We got power. We do love and hip hop. And for those that don't know what music supervision is, just enlighten them real quick. So music supervision, the sexy way to put it is you pick music for TV, film, digital, commercials, yep. etc. But what it is outside of picking music for those things is clearing the music, you know, doing all the paperwork for it, making sure people are paid, all of the above. That is, yeah, there's a lot of paperwork involved. A lot of paperwork. Yeah. yeah. So um, so yeah, there's there's no part of my business like music supervision. I tell people all the time, I'll never be a music supervisor because I don't like to read scripts, right? Mm -hmm. But I do know how to read scripts because I've been with Issa for a long time and I've helped develop a lot of stuff that we've done that people love. Yep. But I don't like reading scripts, so I don't really want to be a music supervisor. Yeah. But the push came to shove, and I was a lonely man on the island. <laughs> I could do the job. Yeah. You know, that's part of the class I have tonight. Part of that is a music supervision course. Mm. Um. But knowing like every aspect of your business is, is important because then it helps you also understand what to look for. Um, and then not being um, not being a control freak to where it's like, mm -hmm. I know how to do X, Y, Z, but I'm going to trust the team that I have in place to execute X, Y, Z. But one rule that I have, I don't care how big or how menial the task is. If it's the first time that the company is doing it, I need to be involved yeah. every step of the way. Prime example, right? Like somebody, we did a campaign for a brand and the brand asked for an ISRC code, right? Mm -hmm. This is basically like a code that for the song, it's like a, uh, like a barcode for yep. the song. And I was like doing my research on how to get one because I have Atlantic is a partner, major label, and an ADA, which is like a big dis distribution company. Yep. So I never have to generate ISRC codes myself. I tell them, hey, I want to deliver this. I want to get this song out there. And they do everything behind the scenes, right? Yep. But this was like one of the first times as a company we had to do it. And somebody was like, oh, you need to go on DistroKid. 
go on DistroKid, upload the song, you'll get the code. And so someone on my team was like, okay, cool. But they're like, Benoni, I'll take care of it. You don't have to worry about it. I was like, no, no, <laughs> I need to do it because I need to know how to do it. Yep. And then they were like, well, I want to learn how to do it too. So I was like, okay, well, let's do it together. Yep. So me and her literally sat down and we went through the every process, title of the song, uploading the song, yep. what genre, what label, et cetera, et cetera. But the larger point that I'm trying to make is, is that now I have an understanding of how to generate an ISRC code, which a 12-year-old can do. Yep. But now I understand how to do that. So I'll never do it again, yeah. but I have an understanding of how to do it again if I ever end up on an island by myself. Yes, absolutely. And then I think also it's good, man, because like, especially when you're talking about creative stuff, like, cause me, you know, I have the filmmaking background and you know, oh, I, I know how to edit video. I know how to yeah. make artwork. I know how to do all these different things. And, and then when you build a company where you're, where you're doing that on a larger level and yeah. a larger scale and you're, and you're hiring like, real creatives to to make you know film stuff to make you know visuals to make all this stuff yeah at least you have an understanding of how to do it so you also not only do you have an understanding but like you can also maybe put a, a cost to that yep. and you understand how much it costs to like pay somebody to make that of a certain quality um a timeline is yeah timeline you know what i mean so all these things are beneficial um, to just know the ins and outs of your business. I think, I think that's something that I would really tell a lot of founders is just knowing the ins and outs of your business, man. Yeah. Knowing how much it costs to acquire customers, knowing how much it costs to spend on marketing, knowing how much it costs you know, for rentals of, uh, from vendors for equipment. I mean, it's all of these things that you really should be aware of and not necessarily just outsource to someone else, especially in the beginning days. Exactly. Um, so, you know, you... Learned a lot of stuff from Jonas. How long were you working with them? I was with them like three years. Three years, which is a long time, man. Traveling all around the world. Yeah. By the time we met, man, you were, I think we were, we were both around maybe 25, mm -hmm. something like that. Maybe, maybe 24. Mm -hmm. um, and by that time, you had been all around the world, traveled so many different places. But when we met, you were working with Issa Rae yeah. on Awkward Black Girl. Um, and uh, I think I had done a screen. I think it was a screening that I did, right? When we first met the, with the Macklemore documentary I did? No, it was. What was uh, it we met at this brand agency in New York. Ah, yes. And okay. Yes, yes, before. yes. It was, but Issa was on, it was, it was me and Issa on a panel. I uh, so. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Um, damn, what was that for? I don't even remember. But uh, yeah, so we met there. You told me, you know, you were, you were, producing that with her. I was a big fan of it, um, of the YouTube series. And then me and you just hit it off, man. Um, and so tell me about, you know, sort of getting into that world now, because yeah. that's, you know, content, early, early days of YouTube. This is not, you know, what Issa Rae, the mogul, the legend, you know, yeah. has become now. You were working with her when, you know, the main distribution platform was YouTube. Yeah. So, yeah, tell me about that, 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 how that started in that ride. You know, I think working with Issa, even in the beginning, was like, you know, I always wanted people to believe in me, right? And I, that wasn't always the case. I had to yeah. show and prove. <laughs> For sure. And so Issa gave me the opportunity to believe in something and to believe in a person, first and foremost, believe in the thing that they're creating and then to be able to bring myself and say, hey, 
here's what I, I see what you're doing. Here's how I could provide value to that thing. Yes. And so, you know, in the early days, um, you know, it was really just about helping her produce Awkward Black Girl. But I was always like the business entrepreneur guy. So my thing was like, how can I help this thing grow, market? How can I create ancillary things around it, derivatives, et cetera? Yep. How ultimately, how can we help this thing get exposure and how can we make, help this thing make money outside of just the content? Yeah. And so I was kind of just a fill in the blanks guy. And being the fill in the blanks guy, you know, we started that in 2011. And I kind of just, as she grew, I grew, but I always grew be, behind the scenes. That's why, like, most people that know me for for a long time always know me and my association to Issa. Um, but I've never really been, like, never front and center. Right? Yeah. Like, always kind of just put the pieces together. Even to this day, like, always putting the pieces together. So it was a good ride. And, um, you know, I guess to answer your question, it was just, it was a chance to be a part of something. And, you know, Issa came to me and said, I can't pay you, but I want you part of my team. And I was at the time I was still working with the Jonas Brothers. So money wasn't really an option. Yeah. I mean, one wasn't a, a, a issue. A issue. Mm-hmm. And so I was just kind of like, look, I'm down to be a part of this. Here's how I know that I can contribute. And the rest kind of just went from there. And so, you know, awkward black girl starts to get big, yeah. eventually turns into, you know, partnership with Pharrell and I am mother. It, it, it starts to become really big and a cultural moment um, on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and then, obviously, as we all know, and where a lot of people were probably reintroduced or just introduced to, to Issa and, and, and her brand um, was through Insecure. Yeah. And, you know, then there's a, no, a new wave of notoriety and, you know, uh, celebrity that, that, that this person starts to get. And now you start to see Issa becoming... You know, not just a, not just a, a well-known person, yeah. but more along the lines of like a, you know, the A-list celebrity. Yeah. What is it like now that you've had experience with Jonas, experience with Issa in that realm? What is it like working with and being the behind-the-scenes guy of people that are so big to the world? Um, it's an interesting thing. I mean, for me. It's fine. You know, I know a lot of people will have issues with it, but for me, it's fine. Because actually, like the cool part about it is people know about the Jonas Brothers and know about Issa. But for every Jonas Brothers and Issa, there's probably at least four or five other people that I've been behind that nobody knows about. But when I was behind them, they were killing it. Like I had a company called The Biz Plan, which was a management company. Oh, yeah. And I was behind some of your favorite influencers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people don't know. Like Pe- name, name some of the influencers. You know, like Peak Mill. Yep. You know? Peak Mill. Who, if you don't know, man, the the amount of hair that she's yeah. moving yeah. is just out of control. She was doing seven figures a year. Yeah. When I was working with her, selling hair. Mm-hmm. You know, closed a lot of big deals for her behind the scenes. Owned by Fem. You know, yep, Renee. Yep. Renee yep. I was working with Renee for a very long time. Yep, yep. Uh, Valencia, who was a school teacher out of Baltimore, who was going viral every other day because she was giving her kids real talk. Yeah. And Baltimore. Shout out to Valencia. Yeah. There's so many people. Yeah. Those are just the, 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 the three that I could think of. Yeah, um, yeah. But I always had, like, black women, right? It always ended up being... It was never really by design, mm-hmm. but I found that black women i just understood and i feel like black women run social media so like if you can get black women to support you then 
that the rest is history. For sure. You yeah. know, so it's always, um, you know, Issa and, and, uh, and the Jones Brothers are like the most notable, but there's a lot of people I work behind that are actually making very good money and I was impactful on their careers. Yeah. But, um, you know, the two biggest critiques in my, my whole career, and maybe even life, but specifically my career is, um, one, I'm too nice. Right? Mm. And it's like, okay, I don't, I'm never going to be a pushover and I'm going to stand my, on my two feet and I'm going to say what's, what's going to work and what's not going to work. But that being nice critique is always funny to me because like, I'm not an entrepreneur posing as a human being, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm a human being I mean, yeah. posing as an entrepreneur uh-huh, uh-huh. when you really break it down. Yep. And so me being nice, like I'm not going to lose my humanity. I know a lot of jackasses mm-hmm. that are at the top of their career who nobody likes them. I know a lot of people who are killing it at their career and you will not hear any good things about them. Yeah. I'm not trying to be that guy. Yeah. Right. So like this, you're too nice critique. That's always been one critique of me. Yeah. My second critique has always been, I need to put myself out there more. I.E. you being a ghost on social media. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> so like the, the, you need to put yourself out there more has always been a critique and you know, to answer your question about what's it like to stand behind these people, for me, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I get to do my work, put my head down, make my money, make my impact, and do what I want to do and not be yeah. bothered. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I was putting out the work that I'm doing, like, I get, I get a lot of people that, quite frankly, annoy me all day, every day, <laughs> on a regular basis. There's probably not a day that goes by that I don't get a text message or an email yep. that I'm like... What do you want, right? Yeah, and they're just and 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 they say like at first they say what's up? Yeah. Hey. What's up, bro? What's how, how's it been? And yeah. it's like you know just yeah. just had the first text be the ask. Yeah, get please. To the point. <laughs> yeah. So I can quickly tell you if it's gonna happen or yes. if it's not gonna happen. And by the way, if it makes sense, we'll do it. Yeah. If it course. doesn't make sense, then no, it's not gonna happen. Yep. But I um I say that to say. Like, I have no problem being behind the scenes, but, like, this takes, like, being in front of the scenes and, quote, unquote, putting yourself out there is work. Like, this alone. Oh, yeah. This is very rare, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. Like, (laughs) this is an hour of my time. Very rare for Benoni. (laughs) I love you. You're my guy. Yeah. But this is an hour of my time. Yep. By the time I get back to my phone. Maybe more than that. Yeah, more than that. You have to get here. You have to leave. Yeah. Yeah. There's emails racking up. That mm-hmm. I got to tend to. There's phone calls, texts. There's information that I got to give out. Or there's just time where I could just be doing what the fuck I want to do. Yeah. Yep. But imagine I'm doing this. Imagine if I was putting myself out there more. Yeah. It'll be five or six of these. Yep. And I'd be on Instagram. I got to make sure I capture the right picture. Yep. I don't have time and I don't want to be doing all of that. Now, do you think, though, that, you know, I'm going to play devil's advocate for... Let's say that you were, do you think that you're missing out on anything from not having a social media presence, not doing the PR and press as much, yeah. not, you know, uh, telling people the ins and outs, and we're getting to it, the ins and outs of what it's like running, you know, this record label radio that is a partnership with Issa Rae and Atlantic Records, and, you know, you say of all these things that, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people want to know about what it is like to be you, but... Are you missing out on something? Do you ever think that? Uh, 
I don't think it, but there there's an argument that could be made that I could be missing out, but I don't think I'm missing out because I know what my end goal is. Yeah. Which is? Which is to do what I'm doing to a certain point and then to fall all the way back and <laughs> not be doing any of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Like, for other people who have goals of like, like there's some people that live and, live and breathe entertainment and I got to be at the top of my game. At the yeah, entertainment. yeah. That's not really my goal. My goal in the beginning for radio specifically was I wanted to create a company that the world has never seen before. Yes. And I'm on my way to creating that. I tell people like, okay, you can find labels that might be bigger or better than us. You can find music supervision companies that are bigger and better than us. All the different parts of radio, you could probably find something that's bigger and better. But what you're not going to find is a company that seamlessly creates all of these audio experiences from a consumer standpoint. The consumer could say, oh, wow, that makes sense. They're playing in all these spaces. But behind the scenes, from a business model perspective, we're doing really well where it's like, oh, we have music supervision. Cool. Now we're going to create a library and we're going to pump our library mm-hmm, into that. Mm-hmm. We, have a, we have a label. So now we have artists that we're going to place on those platforms in the P-Valleys, in the powers, et cetera. We have live events. So now we can do events around that and we can help market it, et cetera. And so- And you have content from those events. And we have content. Mm -hmm. And it's just this full 360 end-to-end audio company. Yes. Now we're about to get into podcasting. So all of those things we can extract and we can create count or we can create shoulder programming or campaign um, content Mm -hmm. or not campaign, um, what's the word? Uh, Complimentary content. Yes. To all of those things. So- I don't think that I'm missing out on anything because I know what my end goal is. However, there's a new Benoni 2.0 that's coming. Okay. And I have like plans for that. Okay. Which is part of the reason why I'm here. Like everything, like nothing's by chance. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like as soon as this is done, I need to find out when it's coming out. Yep. <laughs> because I got ideas and I got goals of like how I'm going to use this and leverage this for my next thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And yep. so when the time comes and when I have something to sell, then I'll be on social media. Yeah. So when you see me on social media popping, you know, selfies and like, oh, he's always on Instagram stories, just know that there's a funnel. Yeah. <laughs> it's top of funnel. It's, it's top, top of funnel, of funnel work. to yeah. get you interested in me. Yep. To get you to buy into the lifestyle that I'm presenting. Yep. And then there's gonna become an there's gonna come an ask. It's not just to showcase lifestyle. It's not just to showcase yeah. lifestyle. I don't mm-hmm. uh, I, that's just not for me. And there's you know, no offense to anybody else that's doing it. Everybody else has the things that work for them. But, you know, it's just funny because pe- everybody wants you to be a certain way. Yeah. And, you know, I had a conversation which kind of annoyed me where a person was just like, oh, it's okay to, like, brag and boast. Like, just out of the blue. Like, Benoni, it's okay to brag and boast about your accomplishments. Hmm. And, I, and I never came to them and said, oh, I wish I could do this. I could wish I could <laughs> yeah. do that. But for them, they were just like, they couldn't understand how I could be doing X, Y, Z yeah. and not puffing my chest up. Yeah, yeah. You know? So I think it says more, man, about um, the person that has a lot, but but nobody knows has a lot um, than it does somebody who has a little and acts like they have a lot. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's just, you know, like I said, when it's my time, when I have something coming then i'll be out there yeah and you know i i do have a fear of like you know as i transition spaces like you know i'm doing radio now and 
there'll become a time where radio is no more radio morphs and maybe i'm the guy that leads it into that morph or maybe i'm not i always wonder like okay when it's time for me to do my next thing am i known enough to be able to get help on that next thing whether i need mm. to raise money whether i could pick up the phone and call and say hey help me with this thing but i kind of just just do good work and a lot of the people that are decision makers they know who i am yeah you know, absolutely I, the other day I was at somebody's house and they were playing like a Spotify like playlist and I was playing this little game in my head of like every time an artist pops up, I was like, okay, what type of story or what type of connection do I have to that artist? And like for 10 songs straight, right? And these are like popular artists for 10 songs straight. I was like, oh, I know his manager. Yeah. Okay. I know his friend. I know the artist directly. And it was kind of like one of those those reality checks of like, oh shit, when push comes to shove, I actually do have a network. I just don't ever really tap into that. Network. Yeah, yeah. You don't you don't you don't lean on it. Yeah. And sometimes man, you're gonna have to, you know, pull that card, that favor card and say, Hey, I haven't used this. Yeah. But uh, you know, I need to cash in on it. And I think that man, the the less you ask for things from people, the more you they're willing to do it because they they know that you're the type of person that doesn't always ask for stuff or that exactly. doesn't always need something or that doesn't you know and and has shown up for them yeah. countless times before um let's talk about radio man so radio you are the president of radio and radio is dubbed as an audio everywhere company yeah. uh so you know and you and you talked about it a little bit before but but technically you know what what is what does audio everywhere mean and and tell me about the beginnings of radio like how did you get how you know how what was the process like when talking to Issa about starting a record label right about saying i mean you know she's she's very well known as a music fan and a, and a, and, a, and a curator and 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 someone who you know has great a great ear and selection for music and yeah. so why why was it so good to to you know take her brand, you know, the things that you were thinking about and create this brand, um, yeah. uh, you know, for audio everywhere. Um, well, for a long time, we had always like, cause we're very, Issa's a hustler and entrepreneur and she's always forward thinking. Yeah. And for the longest time we was like, we were like, we should just, we should do a record label. Like we probably started talking about a record label in 2011. And we always say, okay, when the time is right, we'll know. And over the years, we always talked about it, but it'd just be like in passing, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then Insecure takes off and people are starting to, music is becoming synonymous with the storyline of Insecure. Absolutely. So it's like, you talk about Insecure and the characters and the scenes and the settings and Inglewood, and then you talk about the music. And so we started featuring artists and we started helping break some artists. We started to notice that there was a huge uptick of artists post insecure and so we were like oh you know we should have a hand in this and we should be more strategic about it yep and so the idea originally started off as like okay we want to be a record label and i thought about it and i was like okay you know we could do the record label thing but honestly it just wasn't really a, that much of a challenge for me and i was like i think we can be bigger than that and i'm like okay it's funny because like even when it's starting radio, there's a lot of people that, you know, came to Issa and were like, oh, you know, you should have this person run it because they have music industry experience. 
And I always just know that I was probably the only person that could have created this company mm. because I had a, a, a inner understanding of how Issa thinks, how our company was just in terms of the production side of things. And I knew how to create a company that perfectly fit into the existing infrastructure. Got it. And so the number one thing I was like, okay, well, look at Insecure. One, we're spending a lot of money on music, right? On music supervision, clearing things, et cetera. So I'm like, okay, we could do the label thing. But if we do the label thing, we're going to have to go out and beg and pitch music supervisors to place our artists. So why don't we just create a music supervision company with it? Then it was like, okay, cool. We'll create the music supervision company. But then we might as well have a publishing company as well so that we can be representing the the songwriters and producers that we're placing as well. Yep. So now it's a 360 approach. We're the ones controlling the music. We get to place our artists. We get to place our songwriters and producers. And so um, we call it an audio everywhere company is because we want to exist wherever music ex- or wherever audio exists. Yeah, yeah. We're very strategic about not even saying music. It's wherever audio exists. So if you get in the elevator and you hear elevator music, we want to be the company that program the elevator music. Mm-hmm. If you get in your car and you're, you didn't put your seatbelt on and there's a beep, we want to be the company that programs that beep. Mm, if you go wow. to the hospital and there's medical equipment and it says that this thing is running low or the battery is empty or there's an emergency, we want to be the company that controls those sounds. And so that's where we're going. You know, my, my goal is to have John Deere call me and be like, yo, we got this new tractor, program the sounds for this tractor. Yeah. <laughs> That's my goal. Yeah. But you got to give, the low-hanging fruit was music. Mm-hmm. And so we started off with the label because that's something easy for people to grasp. So we signed our deal with Atlantic Records. We signed our publishing deal with Cobalt. We went and bought a company called Bonfire Collective who had done Wu-Tang, The Get Down, um, a lot of big uh, TV shows and films. Yeah. We bought that company, we rolled them under radio, and they became our in-house music supervision company. And kind of the rest was history after that. And so, you know, the end goal was always just to be able to cover audio from from place to place. And, you know, the next thing is we've dibbled and dabbled in podcasting, but like this is the first time we're actually going to be creating a full podcast network. Because I remember Gimlet's first ever podcast. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you were... Big on podcasting, man, just in general. Yeah, I've always loved podcasting. Yeah. And I love the space from a business perspective and also just from a, you know, from a content perspective. Mm-hmm. And so now we're working on a podcast deal where we're going to become you know, major players in a podcast space as well. So the end goal for radio is just if it's audio, we're a one-stop shop. Yep. Come to us. That's, that's amazing, man. On radio, I recently had, you know, the opportunity to come to something that you guys did which was a branded writing camp so you know this was this is something that i feel like you know we've spoken about this on numerous occasions where you're taking traditional things Mm -hmm. in the music industry and doing them in a non-traditional unique way so first tell people like like what a writing camp is in general and then you know this was a writing camp that i experienced for insecure and then as well, you know, you guys are doing it again. But like, talk about, just talk about what a writing camp is and what was radio's approach to doing it differently for this insecure writing camp that just happened. 
Um, well, I mean, I like to think that I'm a genius, but I'm not. Um, a lot of this stuff is like we're just we're taking things that are done every day, yeah, and we're just putting a brand behind it, yeah, and then we're adding marketing to it. That's as simple as that. So that's that's our secret sauce. Take it and run with it. Yep, right? yep. Um, writing camps have been in existence since the beginning of man, so to speak. <laughs> like, beginning of music, man. Beginning yeah, of yeah. music, man. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Like. So a writing camp is basically where you're looking for certain music for a show. So for Insecure, we say, okay, for these scenes, we need a very specific type of music, a very specific vibe, mm -hmm. a very specific artist. So we'll, we'll write out what those scenes are, what type of music we need. We'll send out invites. We bring people to the studio. We explain to them what we need, and then over the course of a weekend or a couple of days, whatever the case may be, um, they kind of just work on those briefs is what we call them. Got it. And they hit on those points like, oh, there's a love scene, or like, oh, two friends get in a huge fight and they break up, you know, craft a song that, that carries that emotion. So that's essentially what a writing camp is. It's just mm -hmm. a... And this usually happens with TV shows, or does it usually happen with like, you know... Where I where I'm familiar with it is for like artists and coming up with an album yeah, or like you know exactly yeah like stuff like that. So it, it's just all of the above. All of the above, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like traditionally, it is for artists like that are working on an album. They'll just bring a bunch of people down. Kanye is known for yes, the like ones in Hawaii, Hawaii, and, yeah. Montana. Mm -hmm. um, but but yeah, we just are doing it for TV shows and films. Mm -hmm. And so we bring a bunch of people out, they work on the music, and then we kind of just go from there. But the one thing that, that we made, we wanted like the general public to under, we wanted to just put a face to things that the general public may have heard of or may have, may, may have never seen, right? Yes. So for instance, like music supervisors, if I ask you, you know, like you tell me, right? mm -hmm. not to put you on the spot. Okay, let's go. But... Uh, who are some music supervisors that you know? Um, okay, I will give you um, one. Mm -hmm. uh, shit, Scott Werner. Okay. Okay. So you know him because of Entourage and Ballers. Entourage, Ballers. See that another? How to Make It in America, I How think. How to Make It in America, yeah. Um, I mean, I really, I really like know him because of his he's good on social media broke mogul yeah. um but also pharrell. and pharrell yeah but yeah. i mean that's why i put a face to him okay. it's because of the you know um what's the podcast that they have i think um, it's called uh other tone other tone yeah yeah uh, -huh. uh okay so what shows do you know that are popular for music definitely insecure um i would say a lot of stuff on hbo girls um shows for music um honestly i would say like uh the nba and stuff like that yeah. just like in general just like when they're going to commercial yeah breaks. going to commercial breaks uh yeah. you know um even like inside the nba yeah. shows like that um atlanta no doubt atlanta um perfect yeah those are those are the ones i'd say Okay, so basically... Oh, and then there's another show on HBO that I really fuck with and fuck with the music, and it's called um, Generation. Okay. Yeah. So the funny thing is, you mentioned probably the three music's top music supervisors. You only mentioned one music supervisor. Yes. But you mentioned 
three of the top music supervisors based off the shows. Got it. So you got Scott Venner, yep. who does, who's like the most popular music supervisor of all time. Yeah, definitely. I would say. Because he like branded music supervision. Yep. Then you got, you said Atlanta. Yep. So that's Jen Malone. Okay. Who also does, um, what's the show with, with Zendaya? Oh yeah, uh, Euphoria. Euphoria. Yeah, so that's another one I forgot to mention. Yeah, so you got Jim Malone who does Atlanta, Euphoria. Yep. And then you got Keir Lehman who does Insecure. So, sorry, one more. Yeah. This Is Us has amazing music supervision. Okay. And it's not always like new songs by any means. It's actually rarely new songs, yeah. but they go into like catalog music and I mean, the, but the way the music is placed in the scenes yeah. evokes a certain type of emotion that is like crazy and always gets me to cry. So gotcha. yeah, that's, that's definitely another one. Yeah. So the point that I'm trying to make is, is that you only met, you were only able to mention one music supervisor by name. Only one. Yeah. But yet every day I hear people say to me, I want to be a music supervisor. I want to be a music supervisor. It's a field that is extremely sexy. Mm -hmm. It's just like an A&R. A&R yeah. and music supervisor is what everybody wants to be. Yeah, and you can't really name that many A&Rs as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so for us, I was like, okay, I'm just going to put a brand behind it. Mm -hmm. So now when you think about radio, you're going to think about radio on the label side. You're going to think about radio on the publishing side, the events that we do, the writing camps. But radio is now going to become one of the most, if not the most popular name in music supervision because we're branding it as we are a music supervision company. There's a company called Format that mm -hmm. does all the Marvel stuff. There's another company called Neophonic. You have never heard of those companies. Never, ever, man. Never. You know, I got this. <laughs> technically, this hoodie is the hoodie of a music supervision company. Mm. When we start selling merch, you're going to be buying merch of a music supervision company. Yeah. Uh -huh. But you're not really buying merch of a music supervision company. You're buying it to a lifestyle, yeah. a culture-based company, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so all we're doing is we're taking parts of the music industry and we're placing a brand to it. Yep. I so, love that. I love that. Um, and then there will be like, you know, I'm from the school of Scott Galloway. You know, yeah, of course. As you put me on too. <laughs> yes. So there'll be some different components that come to it, but like all we're doing is just putting a face to things and we want to be able to say, hey, here's something that you, like writing camps, the general public has heard of writing camps, but they never got a chance to see what a writing camp looks like. Never. So we decide, okay, we're going to film it. We're going to put it all over social media. We're going to show you how we invite things. We're going to show you, invite people. We're going to show you how we clear songs. Mm -hmm. We're going to show you the types of songs we're looking for. We're going to run contests. So now fans can send us music so they can get an opportunity to be featured on the show. Yep. All we're doing is turning a camera on things yep. and doing it, but doing it at a high level, right? And doing it in a respectable way and making sure that the industry loves us and fucks with us, mm -hmm. but then also the general fan has an understanding how these things work and also knows that they have a role in it as well. Now let me, okay, so one thing, what, I, what I've noticed, right? When you, when you turn something on its head, like you can create some enemies as well so do you think that there are there, are there folks in the music industry that are looking at you in the traditional music industry that are looking at radio like what are they doing this used to be this closed thing we yeah. used to do this this way this is how it's supposed to be nobody's supposed to know x y and z and it's yeah. like are you are you are you are you making enemies right now by you know opening up some of these like more private uh sanctions or more private areas of the music industry yeah i mean not that i know of like well number one when we came into the game i never wanted to become competition mm -hmm. 
I always think that like the number one mistake you can make as a new company coming into an industry is like try to be competition to the people that are already there. Mm. I came into it being a resource. So like, yeah, we have a label, but like the music supervision company, part of the company is a huge uh, complement to the industry because I'm basically able to go to the other labels and other managers and other artists and I'm able to say, hey, I have this platform, this show um, needs your music. And we're very agnostic, right? Where we work with every label. Like sometimes labels hire us to do special projects because they don't look at us as a label. Mm -hmm. um, but because they know that we have access to most of the shows that are culturally relevant, yep. they're coming to us to pitch us stuff. I get pitched every day by labels, by managers, by executives, the whole nine. Um, and the reason being is because they're like, oh, if I want to get my music placed, I go to radio. Yep. So for a large a large part of, um, of the industry, they look at us as a, as a resource and nice. as an ally. But there are, I do get a lot of, um, not so much anymore, but in the very beginning, I got a lot of, uh, oh, that's not how things work. Mm. And my question was, okay, is it not how things work because, like, am I breaking a law? Am I going to hurt somebody? Yeah. If I'm not breaking a law and if I'm not hurting anybody, then... I'm bulldozing right through the situation. Full steam ahead. Yeah. yeah. If you're saying that it's not done that way because you guys like innovation and you like hustle, well, that's not my problem. And that is definitely the music industry. Yeah. We know. So I'm like full steam ahead. You know, I'm just going to do what I want to do. So, so no, I don't have any enemies that I know of, but I mean, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. You probably do, but fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay, so, and just so, I want the audience to really hear this correctly, man. Like, what you guys are building is really just vertical integration, right? So, like, yeah. let's just go over it. So, we've got, you know, media being created, the stuff that people see, like, Insecure, P-Valley. Yeah. These are shows. These are con concepts. Then you've got the audio component of those shows Yeah. is, you know, you're able to pull audio that you guys are producing, artists that you guys are signing, and place those into that stuff. But you guys also maybe might pull from stuff that you're not signed, right? And 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 go and go and grab the music, license the music, place them in 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 the in the content. So you've got this sort of, you know, the supervision and the creation of the audio. And then you've got another component of things that just need audio in general being able to be the audio providers of those things. Yeah. Um, I mean, what else am I missing, man? Like, what, what, how else can you guys um, take over? Oh, and then now you said you got podcasting. Podcasting. Podcasting is coming soon. Yeah, and marketing. Right? Marketing, yeah. So being able to go to the networks, the studios, and saying, hey, you know, we placed this song with this premiere artist in your show or in your movie, allow us to run the marketing campaign ah, from, a, from a music perspective. Absolutely. So let us hit up Billboard, Complex, et cetera, and let's talk about this artist and this song yes. and how impactful it is in, to this movie. Yep. So while you guys are hitting up, you know, whoever you hit up for TV and film, we're going to hit up the music place box. So now you're getting another influx of traffic from a completely different angle. Yep. A lot of the shows that we work on, rank at the top of Shazam charts. Mm -hmm, you know, they mm -hmm. show that people are Shazamming it. So we've done partnerships with Shazam where 
if you're listening to a song and you want to know who did it, you Shazam it, and then the song says, uh, like the artist will pop up and say, hey, this is XYZ, thanks for Shazamming my song. So like those little marketing components, um, mm-hmm. you know, are what we do. Uh, we just got hired by HBO to do marketing for this song called Air. So it's a parody song. Um, basically, it was for a black lady sketch show. Okay. And so on the show, the artist, she, Sky Townsend. I think I saw this. Okay. Yes. Yeah, it was like on the third episode, or fourth yeah. episode. Um, so Sky Townsend performs this song. They gave us the song and they said, can you guys distribute it and can you market it? We've been able to create TikTok campaigns around it. We've mm. been able to get the song playlisted. Um, and this is like a parody song. Imagine yeah. if it wasn't a parody song. Yep. So we're actually adding a marketing com- component by default. Yep. And then also we're, we're creating um, a cosign where it's like, oh, radio, if radio worked on that show, then you know the music is going to be of a yeah. certain level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's very vertically integrated. It's like looking at the pipeline and saying, okay, where are all the things that we would normally outsource and how can we bring those in-house? Absolutely, man. I, I mean, we, we, we're doing that type of inventory in our own company right now, man. Whereas yeah. like, as we're getting this new office space, you know, we have in this office, you see how big it is, you know, we, but we have so much more stuff coming, content studios, X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And now we're like, well, you know, some of our equipment, like some of these LED screens that you see is like not housed in this office. They're housed in like our production partners. And we're like, yeah, yeah. that shit's coming with us yeah. to Miami. We need to get in a space that is like big enough to house this yep. because who knows? What if we rent that out more to people? Uh-huh. What if we right now it's not in our office, so we're not thinking about it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's just like whatever we use it when we need to, whatever. But like now it's like. No, no, no. That needs to be under one roof, vertically integrated, and we need to make money from this thing when it is not making money or when it's not being in use for us. Exactly. So, yeah, man, that's the way I'm thinking about a lot of stuff. We're thinking about a lot of stuff in here. Um, So lastly, bro, I want to talk about, um, you know, we talked about business. We talked about life, how these things sort of intersect, Um, you know, how how you especially want to keep, you know, your humanity and your uh, dignity as a person and not let it let it overrun you, man, with, with this crazy game that we're in. Yeah. But what advice do you have, man? Like, give me some gems. Give me some stuff that, like, this younger generation can take and, 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 and actually, you know, use. Like, and, and is it, what, what, what do you think that, like, the 20-something-year-old now needs actionable advice to, to, to be thinking about to like get to a place that you're at? Um, I mean, I would say just be patient, mm-hmm. you know, easier said than done, but you know, be patient. Cause, um, you know, you should be learning every step of the way. You yeah. should just be trying things like my secret sauce is I'm always willing to try things, yeah. you know, like, uh, now I'm still trying things. Obviously those trying things have different impacts because yeah. of where I'm at in my career, but Early on, I was just trying things. Like I, I told you, I, I did real estate. You know, I sold a couple of houses. I used to work at H and R Block. I was tax season. I was in there. Like yeah, yeah. People used to love me because I was like the youngest one in the office yep. doing taxes quickly. You know, but from real estate and understanding how real estate plays into things and the money that comes into that and taxes, learning how to maneuver with taxes, I still apply those things to this day. So just always be curious always be learning, always try things. And I think being a resource 
to people. Like if mm-hmm. you have nothing to offer to, well, if you think you have nothing to offer to a situation, and you go to a person, and you say, "Hey, look, I love what you're doing. I just want to volunteer." Like, or here's what I'm doing. Here's how I feel like I can help out. Yeah, I feel like adding. Being a resource and just being open to take on any type of role will get you very far. Yeah. You know, on patience, bro, like, we got to talk about, you know, for those that don't know, man, me and you, we had a company together, yeah. right? And we started a company called Volume Visual. And the long and short of this company, everyone, is that, like, basically, we helped artists make money from YouTube, Right, we helped art. It was it was a what we would call a multi-channel network when multi-channel networks were popping. Yeah. Um, and you know we 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 were at it for about what a good year and a half. Yeah. Right. Maybe around that time. Maybe mm-hmm. even two years. Maybe less. Probably less than that. I feel like a year and a half is probably the most. Year and a half, maybe. Okay. Yeah. But um, but you know, I what I what I always think about with this company, right, is that we started something, it worked for a bit, it got some traction. Yeah. We had some offers, right, for like some acquisition stuff and yeah. and and we were we were so young that I, I feel like I didn't know half the stuff I know now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like but ultimately when it wasn't working, it wasn't working. We we and we did different things. Yeah. We remained friends. We probably got closer after that company. You know what I mean? So like but what I see happen with a lot of young guys, man, and girls and just young people is like something doesn't work out. It's two things. It'll be like something doesn't work out with the business. Friendship is gone. Yeah. Or they don't know when to like bow out gracefully yeah. from the business. And it's like not knowing when to quit something could be just as detrimental as like yeah. doing the wrong thing or, you know what I mean? Or, or, um, or going like bankrupt or something like it's like you know what I mean like it, like you should know when to stop it and I wanted to just talk about that with you man because like what was it with with that thing that you think where we understood like you know it's time to it's time to put this to bed. Um. Well, I think number one is just personally you got to make sure you're together personally. Yeah. You know, like you got to have a place to stay. Yeah. You got to have money to put gas in your car yep you gotta have a car right? <laughs> yep 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 like because i think that if you don't have basic things like that together it will interfere with your decision making yes number one and i think that was a huge component of like for us just we both weren't on a, at a place uh, personally stable wise yeah man i mean at the time i was man and this is bro you, you I was living in Benoni's crib on his couch, man, trying to figure it out, hustling, yeah. doing events. And I was telling him, like, yo, I think I got to do this events thing. Like, yeah. I, think, I think this is the thing that's going to bring in some revenue for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I still appreciate you so much, man, to this day. Like, thank you, bro, for letting me. You know, I was, it was, what, three, four months, five months, I don't know, yeah. that I was on that couch and had, had to... It was just crazy that we were working on something while I was on that couch. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? And like, we still had something to build. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, temporary, but. 100%. So yeah, I would just say, you know, making sure you're together personally. And, yeah. you know, I even tell that to the artists I work with. Like, when I'm about to sign an artist, I'm doing an audit on their personal life. 
Because Whew. the minute I'm like, oh, I need you to be in the studio, I need you to show up to do this performance, and they're talking about, oh, I don't have a ride to get there, that's a problem. Problem. You yeah, know, yeah, and that's yeah. going to interfere with their career. And yeah. with their- it interferes with the growth. Like, you, you, you might be thinking as an artist, like, I don't have these things, and, you know, but I'm working to try to get these things. And it's like, you kind of need a baseline you level of, like, stuff. Yeah, that you're able to do and move and, and, and get around properly before you even commit to this type of life because the things that will pop up in your like artist, entrepreneurial, creative mode and yeah. journey, you just you need some of the basic things met, i.e. transportation. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. 100%. Yeah. So that's, that's one. And then the other thing is, is like what I learned from that experience is like the value of a good idea yeah. and, and being able to capitalize on a trending moment or a trending industry yep. and at the time mcns were trending yep. and so we had via a deck yeah. via a deck and who yeah. we were individually yep. like we were able to lean on your experience in the music industry we were able to lean on my experience in the music industry and a great idea and a trending industry that culmination allowed us to uh to get offers and to get real meetings and real attention yep. before we even started recruiting channels. Yep. And it got to a point where we were like, oh, we're not going to do any of these deals. And then we started recruiting. Yep. But there was a lot of stuff that was happening before we started. So, you know, in that same line of thinking, I'm thinking about this for the NFT space right now. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, okay, I see where the opportunities are in the NFT space. I know where my experience can like really shake the game up so yep. i've been thinking about a lot of stuff in nft space because i'm like okay my experience a trending industry and a lot of people are just trying to figure it out and i've been deep diving into it yep. i'm like oh i think that the next thing i do has to be an nft space because i know that i could come out the gate and make an impact yeah yeah, yeah. i love that man yeah yeah um man one more piece of advice Books you've read. Give me, give me top. Let me books, courses, websites. Is there anywhere people can go and you know give some suggestions and then why some of these suggestions would help folks? Um, yeah, I mean books. Uh, Purple Cow, Seth Godin yep. is one of my favorite books of all time because it just challenges you to think differently about things mm-hmm. and about marketing. Yeah, just about mm-hmm. marketing. So, Purple Cow is a good read. It's a short read. Um, there's a book called Drive by Daniel Pink um, that just teaches you about like what motivates people. That book is great. Uh, there's a book called Hooked by uh, Nur uh, yes. Isle. Yep, yep. Um, hope I'm saying his last name correct, but um, it's a yellow cover, right? Yeah, yellow yeah. book, and um, it just breaks down like design yep. and like why certain design works and like how you get people to do certain things when they come to your website. Yep. Um, so that's good. Um, Professor Galloway. Yeah, is, yo, man, y'all got to Google the the, the, the GOAT, yeah. Scott Galloway, man. Scott just Galloway. Follow him on Twitter. Subscribe to his email list. Yeah. Section 4, Section I think four. that's his company. Uh, so much great stuff from that guy. Yeah, so that's always good. And then, um, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there. You just got to find your interest, but just always yeah. be studying. And then, you know, the thing that you can't buy is just have the right conversations. Definitely. You know, yep. meet people and just see what they're interested in and just have the right conversations. And I think that'll take you far. Yo. All right, man. Y'all heard it, man. Benoni Tego, president of radio and just an all around very nice and genuine 
human being. <laughs> My man, man, appreciate you coming on. Uh, thanks for having me. All right. Oh, did you want to let anybody know where to find you, or are you, you know, where where you're gonna crack out of your social media <laughs> shell? So I'm on Twitter. I don't post, but I just read. Uh, but I'm on Twitter at, at Noni Biz. That's N O N I B I Z Z. And that's pretty much it at this point. All right, that's a bet, man. All right, I'll see y'all soon, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Peace.